Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace, dear God. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for waking us up this morning, Father God. We thank you, dear God, for everything that we take for granted so easily, Father God. The ability to see, the ability to hear, the ability to speak, the ability to breathe. Father God, we thank you for it on today. We acknowledge you as God over our circumstance. We acknowledge you as God that has given us another chance. We acknowledge you as the almighty God, the reigning God. Now, Father God, I ask on this morning, Father God, that you will speak through me. Father God, that the people might hear a word from you. Father God, we do know that you are a God of the impossible. You are a God that can do all things but fail. So, Father God, I decrease that you may increase, Father God. Allow them not to hear me, but to hear you on this morning. And we count all these things done in your matchless name. In Jesus' name, we do pray and we thank you. Amen. We're going to go right into the word. As every preacher says, I promise, I'm not going to promise, but I hope not to be before you very long. Our scripture will be coming from the book of Mark, chapter 9, verses 14 through 24. Once again, that's Mark, chapter 9, verses 14 through 24. And I will be reading from the New Living Translation, so it might read a little bit differently than what is on the screen maybe what translation you might have pulled up on your smart device. And when you have it, as our bishops likes to say, please respond with, I have arrived. Amen. Let's go into the word. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed with an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast the evil spirit, cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us. Listen to this part. If 
you can. Verse 23, what do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. The reading of the Lord's word is blessed. You may have your seat. I first of all would like to give honor to our bishop, Bishop Joseph Norfleet, in his absence. Our lady Madeline, Mother Madeline, in her absence as well. Our pastor Thompson, in his absence as well. And all the others that went on to, to Hawaii in their absence as well. Um, I would like to give honor to my wonderful mother, Evangelist Loretta Brooks. My son, Elijah Jordan Brooks. And also, y'all know me, my wife, Lady Brooks. Clap for her. Y'all laugh now. Y'all not going to be laughing later. Um, today, I read that entire uh, passage of Scripture, but I wanted to hone in on verses 23 and 24. Um, let's start back at the, um, the B clause of 22. The father of this child goes to Jesus and says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. He wasn't just talking to anybody when he said this. He was talking to God in the form of Jesus himself and had the nerve to say, help me if you can. And I like the way the New Living Translation um, says it. It says that Jesus says, like I could just picture him standing there like, what do you mean if I can? Almost like, do you not know who I, what do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible to the person that believes. But the father responds back to him and says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe that God is intentional. I believe there are no accidents or coincidences in God. I believe I'm up here for a reason. I believe I have a word from God. I believe the people underneath the sound of my voice need to hear a word from God. I believe that currently some of us are in a position as the Father is in this story. We have an impossibility in front of us. We have a problem in front of us. We have something that doesn't seem to want to move in front of us. And we're asking Jesus, can you help me? Almost, do you even have the power to help me? So, I want to give you a little public service announcement this morning. That the God of the Bible has not lost 
his power. And he's not just the God of the Bible, but he's the God of today as well. And whatever problem, whatever circumstance, whatever worry, whatever fear that you have in front of you this morning, I want to let you know that God told me to tell you he's still the God of the impossible. So I want you to repeat our title on this morning and say, neighbor, I serve. I don't know who you serve, but I serve the God of the impossible. My prayer this morning is not that you hear the word only, that you become a doer of the word. See, oftentimes we come to church and we listen and we hear. We know church. We've, we've grown up in church. We know what church consists of. We know that they open up in prayer. They read the scripture. They know that the praise team sings one or two songs. And then Bishop comes, says his word, and then we go home. You got the schedule, the itinerary of church. But my job is to reintroduce you to the God of the church. You know the scripture, but I'm coming here to assist you of knowing the God of the scripture. There's a different thing when coming to church or having church inside of you. There's a different thing to knowing God and then having God or walking with God. There's a difference between saying you believe and then walking out your belief. So some, somebody today, you're struggling with that unbelief. And I believe God is going to recharge you on this morning. Oftentimes, when I get busy running around and I don't have a chance to actually charge my phone, I'll look at it and it says low power mode. When my phone is in low power mode, I still have the capability to make calls, place text messages, place text messages, or even surf the internet. But it goes into low power mode to conserve energy so I don't use all of the power within the time that I have to get back to my charger. And unfortunately, when we haven't prayed enough, we haven't fasted enough. We haven't recited the word over and over and over again that we can stand wholeheartedly in confidence on what God has promised us. We walk around in low power mode. I don't want to ask you to take out your mobile device and check the battery life on it right now. But if I did, and you looked at your battery life, if that battery life was a representation of where your faith was right now, my question to you would be, do you need a charger? I don't know about anybody else, but I have an iPhone. And having an iPhone, you don't go anywhere without having a charger. I got a charger in the car. I got a charger at my desk at work. I got the 30-foot charger that I got from Five Below to make sure that I can do what I need to do 
and still charge my phone at the same time. You want to know why? Because this thing right here, we can't leave home without it. I know I've gone, left, got ready for work, left, been on my way to work. Got to go back. I can't leave home without this. There's so many things. We've come, become so reliant on this thing that we can't leave home without it. So because we've become so reliant on it, we cannot go without the charger because we refuse to have a dead phone. We refuse to have a phone that is un, un, incapable of working or doing the functions that we need it to do. So we make sure that we have a charger. Some of us have wireless chargers. Some of us have chargers in all different colors, shapes, and sizes. Why? Because we need this thing powered. For the first time that I can recall, my youth, well, the youth department that God has placed me, youth pastor of, I see them in full attention right now. I'm not going to point out any names, but I don't see nobody with their hand like this. Because something, they can relate to this. One of them probably has their charger in their pocket right now as I'm talking. Or is even charging their phone during service to make sure that when they get out of service, their phone is fully charged. My job on this morning is to allow God to recharge you, to revive you, to restore you, to know that where you used to be is not where God is calling you to be. So I gave you the title of the message. He is still the God of the impossible. But my question to you is, do you really believe it? Bishop comes up here every Sunday and gives us a word from God. But by Tuesday, we've already forgotten that word and have gone home with worry. He gave us the instructions for the week on Sunday. We have even gotten to Tuesday, and those instructions have completely left our mind, and now the enemy is throwing all these impossibilities in front of us, and all we had to do was go back to the word that we received on Sunday. He's not up here just for happenstance. He's not up here just because he has the title of bishop. He's up here because he's the man of God, and God speaks a word to him to give to his people for the week. So if we don't rehearse that word, if we don't work that word, if we don't stand on that word, then we're faithless all throughout the week. So whatever the enemy punches us with and hits us with through all types of problems and circumstances that we can face, if we have not rehearsed that word, we have nothing to stand on. Now, the word believe is defined as the complete confidence or faith in the truth, existence, or reliability of something. Now, we can't define the word faith without heading over into the book of Hebrews. It is here we receive, where we receive the definition that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence 
of things. We didn't read that scripture. Let's try it one more time. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's the King James Version. I'd like to go into a different translation on this morning, which is the Amplified Version. It reads, now faith is the assurance, is the assurance or the title deed or confirmation of things hoped for or divinely guaranteed and the evidence of things not seen or the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by physical senses. I didn't come here this morning just to make you happy. I came to give you something, to deposit something in you that you would be able to stand against whatever the enemy has been playing over and over in your mind that has gotten you to the point where you even question God. You question if he can or will he can for you. I've seen him do it for them. And I've seen him do it for this one. And I've seen him do it for that one. But can you or will you do it for me? I've been waiting. I've been praying. And in the midst of waiting and praying, everybody else is receiving but will you or can you do that for me? Let me explain faith. Let me try to make faith a little, a little practical. Faith is often said to be the currency of heaven. So what money is in the earth realm is what faith is in the spirit realm. So what this is on earth is what faith is in heaven. Let me try to make this a little bit clearer. Um, let's say that I wanted to purchase some food after church, okay? This money is what I would exchange with the person behind the counter or whatever restaurant I choose to go to in order to receive the very thing that I hope for. This is the substance. What they have is what I hope for. But without this currency to exchange, I can't get the thing that I hope for. So I'm hoping for something to eat. But in order to get what I hope for, I need currency. I need money in order to exchange to receive the thing that I hope for. So what money is on earth is what faith is in the spirit realm. So faith is the thing that I need to get the thing that I hope for. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, we everything else is sin. Without faith... I can hope for it, but it won't become a reality. Without faith, I can look at it, but I'll never possess it. Without faith, 
I'll see it, but I'll never walk in it. Without faith, I'll look at it, but I'll never own it. Without faith, I'll talk about it, but I'll never experience it. Without faith, everything is dead. So, if you don't have the very thing that is needed to get what you hope for, you will continue to sit and say, well, God, I prayed. God, I read your word. Why am I not seeing the manifestation of the thing I prayed for? And just like the father in our story, I would ask you, did you believe what you prayed for? Did you just speak it because it sounded good? Did you just post it on your Facebook status because you wanted everybody else to know that you were a Christian? But you don't believe the very thing that you posted. So you post it, but you don't live it. You tweet it, but you don't walk in it. You take an Instagram picture and show everybody that this is what the Bible says. But your life is a complete contradiction. Do you? Believe. He is the God of the impossible. That's not a story that we read. That's actual reality. And until the Bible becomes real to you, you will never experience the fullness of God's power. You will keep him in a box when God can do anything but fail, but he will remain in this small little box if you refuse to believe him for more. By the look over the, over the, um, the congregation on today, I know I'm dealing with some Bible scholars. I know I'm dealing with some people that have been in church that have a relationship with God. I know for a fact that there are some saved people on this morning. Amen? Amen. When you got saved, Did somebody sprinkle some magic pixie dust over you and say, you know what? Unsaved yesterday, saved today. That's not what happened, correct? There was a confession that you made in your heart. God, I am a sinner. I've been living a way that I shouldn't have been living. I believe that your son died on the cross for my sins. I believe that his blood will restore what the enemy meant for evil. I believe that you can turn that thing and turn it for good. I accept you into my heart now as my Lord and personal Savior. And when you prayed that prayer, guess what happened? Just like that, you were saved. So everybody that said that they were saved on this morning, it wasn't based off anything other than your belief. You believe God saved you. And because you believe God saved you, today, you are saved. But pri 30 seconds prior to you confessing that and believing it into your heart, you were unsaved. As soon as you spoke it, you spoke it out of your mouth, and you believed it in your heart, you went from 30 seconds before unsaved 
to 30 seconds after saved. It happened just like that. It was based on your belief system. So my issue, and I'm not just saying this because, you know, I'm talking at you. I'm talking with you on this morning because I got some things in front of me that I need to believe God a little bit higher for. There's certain things that don't even trouble me. I don't even worry about it. There's certain things that come my way. It doesn't, I don't even, it doesn't even get, it doesn't even demand my attention. I have so much faith, it bypasses me. Now, the thing that I have faith for, so much confidence in, my sister or my brother to my right, that might be their impossibility. But because I believe my reality is different than the person to my left or to my right that does not believe. I'm trying to get you to understand something. Your salvation came to you based on you believing in the God of that salvation. Believing in the power that he has in order to save. The new impossibility in front of you is currently still there because you don't have the same belief that he can do what he did through salvation with that current impossibility. It's only standing there because your belief system says it's bigger than your God. You've maximized the problem and minimized the God that can solve the problem. So the problem has become so big that we don't even, even, even believe that God could do it. So we'll dance on Sunday and then worry on Monday. We'll raise our hands on Sunday and then doubt if God even hears us on Tuesday. How can we have so much power on Sunday? Where does it go during the week? Where does it go? Did God lose his power? Or did we lose our ability to believe? I was watching a sermon, and the preacher was preaching about the belief system of a child and how when a, a, a child is young, they believe for absolutely anything. I remember, being, I remember being a kid and taking a sheet and tying it across my neck so I had a cape. And my brother and I shared a room. So there was one bed on one side and another bed on the other side. So me and my great imagination, put the sheet on, climbed up on top of the bed. Who am I now? I'm Superman. I can fly. So I jumped <laughs> from one bed to the other. I didn't really suspend in the air. Like it, it, in my mind, it was going to happen one way. It didn't necessarily go the way that I had planned it to happen in my mind, um, but it was my belief 
that I could fly. It was my belief that I could do anything. As a kid, that's what we are born with. My question to you, are why, like, why is it that children are born with that belief and adults already just come with doubt? They come with worry. You know, now that can't happen. Boy, if you don't take that sheet from around your neck, before you break your neck, but mom, I can fly. No, you can't, boy. I'm not saying my mother said that. I'm just helping the story. Mom, I can fly. Mom, I can be this. Dad, I can be this. They come here with that belief. Why is it? Because as a child, a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old, they only been on earth for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Where have they been before that? They came from heaven. They came from the land of impossibility. So they still got the language still in their mind. It's not till they get here and we as adults have been just bombarded and, 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 and run over by the cares of life that we crush their language. I don't speak Spanish fluently. You would think I took seven years of it, but I don't speak it fluently. So Sister Irene might, be, might try to have a conversation with me in Spanish, and I'll only be able to pick up a couple of words because she's speaking a language that I'm really not too familiar with. So after a while, if Sister Irene continues to speak this language, I'm going to end up getting frustrated and saying, you know what, Sister Irene? It was cute in the beginning. I picked up a couple words, but if you don't speak some English so I can understand you, stop speaking the Spanish, I can't understand you. I'm forcing my incapability to understand her on her. And that's what we do to children or anybody else that has a dream. We tell them it's too big. Nobody in our family has done that. Why would you think that you can go and do and be and dream and have? Do you know what your current situation is right now? Does that sound like the father we serve? If our father says, I'm capable of doing exceeding and abundantly above all you ask or think, why don't we speak in the language of the land of impossibility? That's our heavenly language. In the book of Hebrews, it says that through faith, the elders gained a good report. What that means is they, their reputation was built off of their faith. The reason we read about them today is because what they did through faith was so monumental that it had to be recorded. Why? So we could read it and not just be a reader or a hearer of the word, but we could see that and say, if they did it, I serve the same God that they did, then I can do it. The problem is we read it, 
but we don't do it. We read it, but we don't believe it. The Bible says being warned of God, Noah moved with fear or reverence and built an ark for the salvation of his whole entire family. So God and Noah had a conversation to where God spoke to the spirit of Noah and said, there's a flood coming. I need you to build an ark for safety of your family. But when God spoke it to him, they never saw rain. How is it going to be a flood, God? I don't even know what rain is. And you want me to build this boat the size of three football fields by myself. Don't tell me God won't show you something that looks impossible. Don't tell me God won't tell you to do something that looks crazy to somebody else. But my question to you is, do you have the faith to look foolish? Do you have the faith to look crazy for a season? I didn't say for a lifetime. I said for a season. Do you have the faith to look crazy for a season? Noah's out there building this ark all by himself, looking crazy. It's 110 degrees out there. Why are you building that ark, Noah? It's about the rain. What is rain, Noah? I don't know. But God told me it's about to do this thing that's going to flood. So he told me to get these things. I'm going to build it, and you can hop on if you want to. If you don't, you'll be sorry later. You're crazy. They laughed at Noah. How many people have laughed at the things that you said God was going to do in your life? How many people laughed at you? How many people said, that can't be God? How many people said, that's never going to happen? I remember I was playing college basketball. I was a sophomore in college, and I had broke my toe. So I was out for, I, was, I, I finished junior college, I had graduated, and I was looking for a new school to go to for the remaining two years of um, my eligibility, and I had broke my toe, I had zero scholarship offers, and I was stressed, I was worried. I was about 20 years old, I don't really have a relationship with God, I know that he exists, but I, I'm not serving him, I'm not reading his word, I'm not doing any of those things. I'm coming to church maybe once in a while, faking like I'm asleep so my mother would leave me at home. Um, you know the stuff that teenagers or people do. Um, and my high school coach at the time says, I know things don't look good for you right now, but um, I want you to do something for me. I'm like, all right. I want you to make a list of all the schools that you want to recruit you. Nobody's recruiting me. What do you mean? Listen to what I'm telling you. I want you to make a list of all the schools that I want you, that you want to recruit you. Okay, I'll make the list, man. And I want you to give me that list. 
Okay. Fine. So I gave him the list. He said, all right, so I'm going to work on them. I'm going to do what you can't do. I'm going to work on them. But I need you to do what you can do. I need you to get up every morning and prepare yourself. Now, when he said this to me, it was probably about August, July or August. He said, I'm going to create a showcase of all the colleges that you put on this list, and I'm going to call them to a gym to come see you play. But they're not coming until March. Do you trust me? I mean, you've never steered me wrong before, so yeah, I trust you. So I gave him the list. He went and did his thing. I go over here and do my thing. I'm getting up every morning, early in the morning, going to the gym, practicing and working every single day. In the, in the gym for at least five, six, seven, eight hours. People are looking at me like, wait a minute. Um, why are you in school? Why are you practicing so hard? Because I'm going to school. Which school? I don't know, but I'm going. All these months passed by, and even though doubt tried to keep coming in, I kept rehearsing what my high school coach said to me. He said, you do what you can do, and I will do what you can't do. So while you're working on what you can do, I'll be working behind the scenes on what you can't do. So I went to work and did the natural. I did the possible. I could possibly go to the gym and work on my game and work on my dribbling, work on my shooting, work on my conditioning. I could do that. But little did I know, he was behind the scenes on the phone making phone call after phone call. I know a man that can fit the spot, the scholarship that you need. You need to be at this showcase in March. So when March pulls up, he says, come on, let's go. Are you ready? I said, yeah, I'm ready. I've been preparing. I took your word. I went and prepared. I did everything you told me to do. So when I showed up in that gym, every last coach that was on that piece of paper was in that gym that day. And this is not being proudful, but I'm going to let you know right now, I showed up that day. I showed up that day. And not only did I leave with one, I went from zero scholarship offers to everybody on that list saying, will you come to our school, please? They called my mother's phone at 12 o'clock in the night to try to get her son to come to their school. Brother Craig's a witness. He knows. But, there was, but when the word was spoken, I had nothing. When that word came, I had nothing, but I had to work the word. I had to trust in man. And the man didn't let me down. But my Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he shall repent. If he said it, that means he shall perform it. What has God said to you? That right now looks crazy. See, I know that there are some 
we have the biblical people, but I want a modern day, a modern day example. I need a modern day example. So I was working this faith principle in my mind, and I saw this faith principle in action. And contrary to what many might believe, I didn't hear this message being preached through a sermon. It wasn't something that Bishop preached. This wasn't a sermon that I watched online. It was actually in a movie that I watched. It was a movie that talked about this man, this father named Richard. And I'm going to ask for the media team to give me a little help so we can watch the movie trailer, so we can see what the application of faith looks like in present day. See, you may not know Richard Williams, but I know you sure enough heard of his daughters, Venus and Serena. Richard Williams, two years before his daughters were born, created an 85-page plan on how his daughters would take over the sport of tennis before they were born. People told him he was crazy. People laughed at him. You don't have the money. You're from Compton, California. By the way, Richard Williams never played tennis a day in his life. He watched videos and taught himself how to play tennis and then taught his daughters and spoke faith over them, saying, Venus and Serena, you're going to be champions. Venus and Serena, you're winners. Venus and Serena, you have been designed for success. You will become the greatest women tennis players to ever play the game of tennis. And he spoke it day after day after day after day after day. Today... We know Venus and Serena Williams as one of the greatest tennis players to ever play the game, but they laughed at Richard Williams when he said it. They're not laughing at Richard Williams anymore. He's laughing at them because they didn't believe when he spoke it. Now, I'm telling you today that there's something that you have in front of you right now that looks like it's not going to happen, that looks like it's not going to work in your favor. They're laughing at you today. But I promise you're going to have the last laugh. I promise you're going to have the last laugh. So what I know is that in the Bible, in the book of Joshua, Joshua gave, God gave Joshua an unusual instruction. Everybody here has a card. And if you have a second, I want you to write your impossibility on this card. Now, you can look foolish if you want to, and if you don't have the faith enough to do it, that's on you. But I wrote my impossibilities on this card. In the same way God told Joshua to march upon the wall, around the wall, he said, wherever the sole of your foot shall tread, I will give it to you. So what I am asking you to do 
is to write your impossibility on this card. And we're going to lay this card on the floor. And we're going to march or dance all over each and every possibility that's on that card. We know that the devil is underneath our feet. We have victory when we declare or decree a thing. It has to be established. But I'm asking you to utilize the faith that God has given you to do this demonstration on today. I don't know what your impossibility is. I don't know what you're worrying about. I don't know what you're stressing about. But God has given me an instruction to give you. And by your faith, if you would operate in faith and walk on that impossibility, I believe that God is not only going to meet your prayer, but he's going to exceed your expectation. Now, I know some of you may not dance. For those that don't dance, I just want you to stop on the card. And we're going to get some marching music. We're going to get some praising music. But I believe that whatever impossibility is going to begin to die today. That thing is going to die today. That thing is going to die today. We're going to march on it. We're going to dance on it. We're going to praise on it. And God's going to deliver it. We're going to go from prayer request to praise report. From prayer request to praise report. I don't know if you're ready, but I need some dancing music. I need some marching music. I need some praising music. For those that are still writing, let's raise to our feet. to your conscious mind. I'm talking to your spirit, man. What the instruction was doesn't make sense. Man of God, do you know what I'm facing? You expect me just to write it down on a piece of paper and then it's going dis di to disappear? I told you when God gives you an instruction, it doesn't make sense to your natural mind. But I know one thing. If you made it to service this morning, you got an impossibility in front of you. Amen? So, if the man of God has given you an instruction by faith, I don't know what you prayed last night. I don't know what happened to you this week. But I do know that that thing is going to die today. That thing is going to die today. When Jesus spoke to the fig tree, he said he cursed it. And the next day they came back, that tree had withered up. It happened in the spirit first, and then it was birthed in the natural afterwards. So we're going to believe in the spirit first, and then we're going to see the manifestation of it in the earth realm after. So I want you to place that card underneath your feet. Feet on top. We're dancing on the devil's head. Every impossibility has to go. In the name of Jesus, we declare and decree every impossibility is defeated. In the name of Jesus.
praise. I need you to understand that your faith activated God in the spirit realm. There are angels going to work on your behalf right now. But do you believe it? Do you believe that they're going to work on that situation right now? You don't need to see it to understand that it's going to work right now. It's going to work right now. Father God, we come to you, Father, because we know that you are the God of the impossible. Father God, we have an impossibility in front of us this morning. I don't know what it is. I don't know what that person is struggling with this morning, Father God, but you know we cancel the assignment of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Father, that you use this as an opportunity to get some glory. Father God, we know that you are all-powerful. We know that you can do anything but fail. But Father God, our belief has been a little shaky. Our faith has been a little weary. Father God, we're asking you this morning to increase our faith. Give us a faith that can see the invisible and do the impossible. The sky is the limit to what we can have. Father God, I pray that every word that was spoken would rest in the hearts of your people. And not only will it sit there, but it will activate forward momentum that they would do the possible as you work on the impossible. As you come into partnership with us this morning, you're not going to do what we can do. And we can't do, Father God, what only you can do. So we pray that your will be done and that you show up once again in our life. We will forever give you the glory for it. And we thank you in advance for what is soon to come. In Jesus' name, we do pray, and we thank you. Amen. Amen.